open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 18. This might be a little outdated for you, but there was a time where this would happen. The couple of daughters were, were acting up. They were misbehaving. They were disobeying. And, and the father said, go up to your rooms. And they said, but it's dinner time. And he said, that's your punishment. You, you, you're not getting dinner and you go up to your room. And a couple of minutes later, mom calls them down. And they start coming down the stairs. They're, they're really baffled because dad doesn't go back on, on the rules that he makes or the discipline that he sets in place. He, he just didn't do that. So they're walking down the stairs and they're very curious. And they see their mother and she says, come on over to the table. And they start walking over to the table and they look for dad and they don't see dad. And, and the daughter said, hey, where, where's dad at? It's dinner time. Dad's always at the table at dinner time. And the mother said, well, he, he asked me not to fix him a plate. He didn't get a plate and, and he went to bed. He, he went to the bedroom without dinner. And the daughters were like, wow, this is strange. And, and the mother said, well, let me tell you this about that situation. Your father loves you so much that though he couldn't go back on what he said in place for, for the disciplinary action, he, he wanted you to be able to have your dinner and enjoy your dinner and, and to be able to, to, to be down here. So he went without it and he went to his room and your place. So as you enjoy your dinner tonight, girls, know that your dad is paying the price for you so that, so that you can enjoy the meal that you're having. May we always be mindful and thankful for the freedom that we as Christians have from the penalty of sin because Jesus paid that price for us. There's a whole lot of religion that doesn't get personal and doesn't get close to home, but true religion is very personal. And Jesus Christ is a very personal Savior. So, so personal that, that it was our sins that came upon Him on that cross at Calvary. And so we're going to talk about the cross tonight. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul writes... For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. One man said, trying to encourage some preachers, let us be men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. God forbid the cross cease from being the center of the message in this church, the message in the ministry that God has given to us. As we would consider a cross tonight, 
you go back before Jesus, and there was nothing positive about a cross. A cross stood for crucifixion, and, and there was nothing positive about it whatsoever. It was a negative instrument. It suggested conflict. It conveyed that, that at the bottom look of life, that it, it's a crash, it's a collision, and, and it's a crisis. The cross, it, it speaks of struggle. It speaks of suffering and it speaks of sacrifice. I'm telling you there was not anything positive about a cross. People died on a cross and, and they just they stayed there and their bodies rotted on a cross and they, they weren't even buried. There was nothing good about a cross. It never gave any kind of a ray of sunlight in any way whatsoever. There was no hope in any cross until Jesus Christ went to the cross for us when He went up to that hill Golgotha that we call Calvary. And right there, everything changed concerning a cross. Because the cross that Jesus went to, it was transformed into a symbol of glory, of triumph. The cross was now looked at as a place of victory that happened. And it happened for you and I there. Sweet forgiveness and holiness, that was never considered or thought of on a cross. But when when Jesus in His innocence went to the cross, it gave the cross a new identification. The cross was quite the opposite of what it was transformed into when Jesus went there. There's been a lot of blood shed on, the, shed on crosses before Jesus, but never the blood like Jesus shed. Not like his, the, uh, the precious blood of the Lamb of God. We, we heard a couple of songs about the blood of Jesus tonight. Some people are taking the blood out of the song. Some people take the blood out of versions of the Bible and they replace it with life. Well, guess what the evidence is that life was given from the precious Lord Jesus. It was the blood that flowed. The, the spear was, was protruded into His side and the blood and the water flowed. He surely died on that cross. But in this case, it wasn't, it wasn't someone that was a criminal. It was Jesus in His innocence when He died on the cross. And He was willing to go to that cross for you and I. And it was in our place. The only person who didn't have to die for sin, the sinless one of Jesus, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What glory there is at the cross. What transformation there is at the cross. When we look to the cross as children of God, it's not what it was seen as before Jesus. Light is cast upon the cross. The Apostle Paul was quite affected by that cross at Calvary. He not only spoke of it here, Paul spoke of it very often. He was consumed with the death 
of Jesus, that He laid down His life for us. Paul had nothing to brag about. Paul was the greatest Christian servant that any of us have have ever heard of or read of or known of. Yet he says, I have nothing to brag about save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He boasted and he spoke of the glory of the cross. It was the theme of Paul's preaching. He was impacted by that. It was the basis of his hope. And by the way, the cross of Jesus Christ is the foundation of hope for anyone who has true hope. The the only hope comes by way of the cross through our precious Lord. It was the basis for His hope. It's the basis for the hope of the entire human race. There is a giant religion out there, and they say that God stopped His good man from having to be crucified on the cross. If that were so, then none of our sins would be paid for, and we would be paying for them ourselves. We would not be blessed by and thankful for a freedom from the penalty of sin. We are not going to face a penalty. It was faced once, once for all, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the cross. Every religion in the world needs to abandon their religion and come to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way to heaven. The cross speaks to every generation. You know, you know, Pastor Stone has preached some sermons on God speaks. Well, in a sense, there's a way that the cross speaks, and, and I'd like us to consider three things that the cross declares tonight. The cross tells us how terrible sin is. The cross speaks to us about how immeasurable God's heart is, And also, it tells of the endless hope for all the world. Let's first consider, by way of the cross, how terrible sin is. We would all agree that this world is in a terrible situation. There is something terribly wrong with this world. There has been. There is now. There are so many people trying to come up with things to solve the problems of this world. And they leave Jesus Christ and His cross out of it when that is the remedy. Think about all the sorrow in this world. This world has hopelessness. There is conflict. Things are not right in this world. This whole world is wrapped up in evil. Mankind is affected by a disease. And this disease runs throughout this entire earth, throughout the whole human race. It is universal. It is ultimately responsible for all of the pain that goes on in this world. All of the suffering and all of the woes of the human race. In one way or another, there's a disease and 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 the reason for every hurting heart, every broken home, and every pain in the Bible is because of this disease. And the Bible calls it sin and says that the wages of sin is death. 
the wages of this sin. It pays in death. The attack of sin, it brings destruction. God created man and He breathed in the man the breath of life. And, and put him in a garden. And you know what happened with the first man and the first woman in the garden. When sin came about and sin dwelt in our flesh. And sin has been on the pursuit and the attack to destroy lives ever since that took place. There is an evil desiring to destroy everything that the hand of God has done. There is no worse problem on this earth than the sin problem. The the basis of all problems on this earth, it's because of sin. And and so we we can look at a picture of the awfulness of sin in this world. But when we get to the lowest, most vile picture of sin, we would see it through the eyes of faith, at the cross. It is at the cross that we see this, this picture of the awfulness of, of sin when it came upon the Lord Jesus. The effects of sin at the cross of Calvary. We start to see some of the, the deepness of, of, the, of, of sin uh, on that cross that came upon Jesus. You might think about how the sky turned dark and and the rocks rent and Jesus gave up the ghost. Jesus who could not be recognized. Jesus who became our sin for us. He took our place and He provided the sacrifice for our sins. And, and, And it's there on that cross that we can that we can see the the most clear picture of the vileness of sin and the seriousness of sin that, that can be. It's, it's there that we see the clearest picture that we are sinners and the seriousness of sin. John Newton had an, had an idea of this and he meditated and he thought on this as a child of God and he wrote, My conscience felt and owned my guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins His blood had spilt and helped to nail Him there. It's it's good for you and I to glory in the cross. It's good for you and I to see that it's our guilt. Uh, it's, It's our guilt that took the innocent Lord Jesus to the cross at Calvary for all of us. And, and, so, and so the tellings of the cross is to tell us how, how terrible sin is. But also, as we would consider the cross and what it would tell us, it tells us of the immeasurable heart that God has for us. We are not going to fully comprehend God while we are here upon this earth, this side of heaven. But He has revealed a whole lot of who He is to you and I. Though we don't know it all, because of the cross, we always know that God has a heart full of love 
for every single one of us. God has compassion for, for people. The cross, it's the greatest proof of God's love for us. But God commendeth, has clearly shown, God commendeth His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about what we were and where we were when Jesus Christ had us on His mind making a sacrifice for us on the cross at Calvary. He loved where there wasn't any love. And, and so we know we have the proof of God's heart full of love for us. When we consider the, the whole universe, which is God's, we might think of His power. When we think about and look at nature and all of creation on this earth, we might think of His wisdom. And as for being convinced of God's heart full of love, hey, there's, there's, the, there's the cross that's the power of God, but there's also the cross where we see the love of God. God loves you and I, and He has shown us by way of the cross. There is ongoing human pain that, that we suffer through. There is sorrow that we have to deal with. There is difficulty that is always going to take place in life. It's going to tempt us to frustration. It's going to tempt us to depression. But no matter how bad it gets, we never have to question the love of God for us. If anyone, if anyone is doubting or tempted to say, God's too busy for me. God doesn't care about me. Look at what my life has been. I, I urge you this evening to look to this cross of Calvary at what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's undeniable. It speaks to us that God is saying, this is my heart full of love for you and that I sit my own precious Son in your place to take your sin debt uh, upon Himself. He loves us, and there's no doubt about it. His love was at the cross at Calvary. It overflowed there. Grace, God's grace, God's unmerited favor, it, it abounded at the cross. The price for our sin was paid in full. Satan wanted to stop it, but hey, God's love won. The, the song says, love grew where the blood fell. That was God's love to us on the cross at Calvary. Sin fought and sin did its worst. But God sacrificed and provided the very best and He won. The cross also tells us of something else. The cross tells us of the endless hope for all the world. When we look to the cross, we can always consider the hope that God has for us. There is always hope for anyone. Ecclesiastes says, while there is life, there is hope. It is never 
too late for anyone to come to Christ, to have hope in Christ. I preached a family funeral about six or seven years ago, and a family member showed up that I haven't seen since I was a kid, and I heard about his life. And if anyone here thinks that they were one of Satan's generals throughout their life and, and, and that their sin was so much worse than someone else's, don't flatter yourself. I saw my cousin walk up and attend that graveside service and God gave me the opportunity to talk about His amazing grace that, that He would, might be convinced that Jesus Christ is crying out His love to Him from, from the cross. If one, if any, would just look to the cross at Calvary, life gets tough and life gets hard, but you look to the cross and when we understand what happened at the cross, God is saying, I love you. God is drawing your heart to His love. We're never unloved as children of God. The outlook can appear to be so bad. Every scenario seems to be hopeless. Have you ever been there? Does everything seem like a dead-end road that you cannot get out of the rut that you're in? Look, life starts to look really dim, but since Jesus went to the cross, there's light that is now cast from the cross. We look to the cross and we don't see Golgotha, we, we see Calvary now. We see victory over our sins is, is why we call it that. Without the cross, there would be no meaning to life. Life would just be futility, it would be failure, and it would be frustration. We would just be miserable in, in misery if there were no cross. But because of the cross, there is hope for every troubled heart. There is the forgiveness of sins for anyone who will come to the blessed Lord Jesus to know Him as Savior. There is assurance at the cross. This world doesn't have to wander aimlessly. The entire world can come to the cross to be saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. How does God, in His perfection and holiness, able to invite sinners to be, to be changed, to be known, to be saved by Him? It's because of the cross. The just, He's just and the justifier of them which believe in Jesus. I tell you what, when we look to the cross, there's all kinds of tellings from the cross. You look to that empty cross where, where Jesus had, had died, and you see that, that evil and doom was there. The cross says the light is more powerful than darkness. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know how many times I have, I have 
meditated on, on that verse from 1 John chapter 4, verse, verse 4. And when we look to the cross, we see, it tells us that light is more powerful than darkness. That sin has come to an end in one sense, and in another sense, sin is completely going to come to an end. When, when Jesus comes and takes us back, there is going to be sin no more. The, the, the cross speaks to us that wickedness does not have the last word. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian and to consider the final chapter? No matter what's going on now, there is a final chapter and there is no more tears. There is no more sin. There is no more death. And, and we're going to be with the Lord forever. The last chapter never ends. And, and you know what? Truth be told, a lot of people who have hardened their hearts and think that, thinks that God's not listening or God doesn't have time, what they want is what God has for all of His children in the last chapter. He, he has promised that there's going to be trial and tribulation upon this earth. But be of good cheer, Jesus says. He has overcome the world. And one day He is taking us to His glorious heaven for, for the last chapter that's never going to end. The burden of every heart, of every human being, is taken away if they will just believe it. If they will just go to the cross believing what Jesus did there. A cross which before was only gloomy, only doom, only hopeless and dark, now is, is casting light. And there is hope at the cross. And there is an invitation for everyone to come to the cross. It once was a mark of shame, but now it's a home for hope. It's kind of like the boy who was bawling in town and he... And he, he couldn't find his way home. He's lost. All of, these, all of these adults are coming up to him and trying to pamper him. And he's, he's just wailing away. And it's loud. And he's messy with his tears. And then all of a sudden there was silence. And all of a sudden his eyes opened as big as you can imagine. And he said the cross. If you can get me to the... He was talking about the crossroads in town. They called that the cross back in the day. If you, can, if you would just lead me to the cross... I could find my way home. That glorious cross at Calvary, it means home for you and I. The only way home to heaven is by way of the cross where sin died and Jesus arose in victory over all of our sins. The song says the way of the cross leads home. Our greatest need has been met. And it was, it was right there that at the cross that the greatest love that could ever be known was made known. Hope is only found at the cross. The song goes on to say, there is no other way but this. Hope will not be found without going to the cross. Why, why do we have such a celebration on, on Resurrection Sunday, on, at our Easter service, because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
and that He defeated the cross, that the cross is empty, that He's no longer there, because though He died, He lives, and everyone who believes in Him lives eternally. Because He lives, we live. Hope will not be found without the cross. The only way to know Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins is going to the cross at Calvary. One preacher who had a very long ministry of preaching the Word of God, it was only after a few years when he preached the cross in a service and, and, and God moved in such a special way. He said, I will, he said and he did this. He never had another service, another sermon, where He did not mention the cross, where Jesus died and then He was taken off that cross, was buried and resurrected. What I'm talking about tonight, what we're sharing tonight, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. I kid you not, I was able to sit in on an oppor- a witnessing opportunity there were some Christians around and there was an, there was an unsaved person and, and, and there was a lot of love and a lot of care for them and, and a burden on the heart of Christians. And so finally, finally the gospel was shared with this person. And, and after they heard the message of how Jesus died for our sins, was buried and raised again, that if we as sinners will acknowledge our sin and understand that Jesus died for us, and trust Him as our Lord and Savior of our lives, having Him change our lives, assuring us of a home in heaven, that can be yours. And she said of that story, she said, that is foolishness. She didn't say foolish. She said foolishness. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. There's a whole lot of people that will confess to the power of God. There are many people who believe, yes, I believe there is a God and I believe that He's powerful. Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the dynamite unto God, unto salvation To those who believe. God's power here is directed toward the life of the sinner to be saved from their sins. And and, and once we are, we, we celebrate the preaching of the cross. We love the preaching of the cross. Christians, as Christians, maybe we haven't learned anything tonight. But hey... We are celebrating the cross of Christ where He died. And, and, and I remember going there it, through, through the eyes of faith spiritually, being drawn by God. I, I remember going there and, and realizing where all my sins went. That, that I can't try to overcome them myself. It's impossible. It's a dead end road. It wouldn't happen. But Jesus paid it all. And He did so on the cross. And it's freely offered to anyone Who will believe? Anyone who will believe just as they are. You have an existing condition tonight maybe that you know is not right, it's not good. You want to go get that cleaned up before you come? No. 
Come to the cross tonight. Come to Jesus tonight and let Him save you from your sins. All you need is enough faith to understand I'm a sinner and Jesus died for my sins and I believe in Him for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe what He did at the cross. It's been by way of the cross that people have been saved for for over 2,000 years now. It's been by way of the cross that people were saved before the cross. I want to go to the Old Testament for just a minute and read from Isaiah chapter 53. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus went to the cross. And I tell you tonight that souls that were saved, the saints of the Old Testament, they went to the cross because it says... Isaiah 53, 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so He He openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. It's always been by way of the cross that one would be saved. It's the only way. And it's still that way today. It's that way right now. There's someone who was of a religion who believed that the Old Testament was true and they were truly God's prophets, but they didn't believe in the New Testament. And when, but when they got to Isaiah chapter 53, they were saved out of that only Old Testament religion. They were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ because the prophet Isaiah could not have been talking about anyone else but the Lamb of God, the precious Lord Jesus, who died for all of our sins. It's the place where God was satisfied with the payment for our sins at the cross. 
the holiness of God was satisfied. Jesus lived a perfect life. The justice of God was satisfied. Jesus died. Why did He have to die? Because the penalty of sin was set by God, which is death. And He set that penalty for mankind. So this is what happened. God became a man for us. And He lived a perfect life. Romans 5.11 speaks of us being saved by His life. We're not only saved by His death, but He lived a perfect life and satisfied the righteousness of God. And then He died. He died in our place for every single one of us. And that sky turning dark and every rock having a crack in it. And, and Jesus giving up the ghost the spear being poked into his side, the blood and the water flowed. He surely died. He was buried in the tomb. The stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. He surely lives. He surely defeated our sin. There is victory for everyone over their sins if they will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The demanded death debt for sin was paid for by the sinless Son of God. And so the cross was emptied of His body. The grave was emptied of His body. And as the Bible says, as the words were, He is risen. Sin, our sin, was defeated on that cross. The cross is the central factor in the Christian's life. It, we're off track if it goes anywhere else but the center of our lives. We look back to it and we see the accomplished, completed work of Jesus there. We look forward and we see our accomplished salvation and the assurance of heaven. But how about in between those? How about the here and now for everyone who has been to the cross by faith to believe in Jesus? What's being accomplished is a change in our lives. The effects of the cross did not only take place the day that Jesus died. The effects of the cross continue in the lives of those whom God is transforming into the image of His own dear Son. He is conforming us to Himself. He is making changes in our lives. The song says, the way of the cross leads home. You go on a little more, and the song says also, then I bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in it nevermore. We can't make that statement on our own ability. We can't have the confidence within ourselves to be able to make that statement. But there is a transforming work that has been done by way of the cross. When we have gone to the cross, He is changing our lives. Just as there were effects of the cross the day that Jesus was crucified, there are effects of the cross still today. So we rejoice in the empty cross, the empty grave, those empty grave clothes 
are laying there. Thursday night we talked about some empty grave clothes because, because grave clothes belong on a dead man. But Jesus lives. And may we not be walking around in these grave clothes when Jesus Christ has provided a robe of righteousness that we might be clothed in Him when we stand before Him. Are you wearing the right clothes? If not, simply by faith, this robe of righteousness is given to you and all your sins will be forgiven. A home in heaven is assured to you. And Jesus Christ has come to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you the moment you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, assuring your heart of His eternal salvation. If you're here tonight and and you have never been to the cross by way of believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we pray that you would be saved this evening. Children of God, let us be encouraged by the, by the eternal living Christ who has given us eternal life. Look, it's, it, it's really just brighter and brighter as we go if we look in the right place. No matter what this life deals with, our way, we're going to come face to face with Jesus. And I agree with, with our pastor that it will probably be face to the ground when we come before the face of our Lord and Savior. But we're going to be with Him for all eternity. And we're going to be gathered together in a glorious reunion with all God's people. That, that's the final chapter. It started for us at the cross where our sins were, were laid upon the Lord Jesus, and we went to Him by faith to trust Him. Be encouraged, child of God. Celebrate this empty cross, the, the, the empty grave tonight. And if you're here tonight and, and you're not saved, we pray that you would trust in the Lord Jesus. Let us bow to Him this evening. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, Father in heaven, Lord, we come before You to glory in your cross tonight. Lord, we thank you as your children that, that we, we deal with those things that are offensive to you in our lives. And we can confess those things and there's constant cleansing and forgiveness that you promise to your children who are broken and contrite before you, Lord. And so we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the change that has taken place for the invitation, that glorious day that, that we went to the cross and, and we found that all of our sins had been paid for there and that you were risen and that you're a living Savior and you've come to live in our hearts by faith. And dear God, we beg that for the one who does not have that assurance, the one tonight who, who does not know that, that they would be able to go to heaven if they died. They're, they're trying to measure the, the good against their bad when... Lord, their eyes need to be turned to you. Their hearts need to be turned to you to see what you did for them and the invitation to freely come to them, to you as Lord and Savior. We love you tonight, Lord. We thank you for first loving us. We thank you that we can always, always consider and know your love by looking to the cross. 
and what your son did there. And we pray these things tonight in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If everyone could please stand. This is your time of invitation with God. Obey God and do business with Him tonight. 249.